Hello, and welcome to the seventh edition of the Tesla Q podcast. Uh, this is being recorded on Friday night, January 11th, 2019. Uh, it's been a fairly eventful week in the land of Tesla Q Twitter, although I have not recorded an episode since Monday. Apologies for that. As I'm sitting here recording, I just got a tweet actually from Pack Watson that she that confirms that she is not part of the SEC whistleblower uh, actions that Stuart Meissner is involved with. So she she says she has her own squad. So that's good to hear. Good to know that she's not running solo with that, uh, with all that she's been through with, with her experience with Tesla. Uh, additionally, I'll go ahead and say that, uh, that I watched the SpaceX launch earlier today of the Iridium satellites. Uh, it was the, I think the final launch of that overall mission to provide a constellation of satellites. My understanding is that those are, are for communication purposes, which is what most satellites do. That's the quote unquote real portion of the SpaceX business. Uh, one item that came up earlier this week was the, uh, it was a, the Starhopper, which was built in Boca Chica, Texas. There were many, many pictures of this that came out during the week. The obviously real pictures looked a lot more like aluminum foil. Uh, there were also some renderings. I actually watched a video either Wednesday or Thursday of this week from Everyday Astronaut, which talked about what the purpose of the Starhopper is to to do short hops, to test the the capabilities of the Starhopper, and to get some data that will help in further development of the landing systems for that particular vehicle. Uh, while I am a fan of, of what Everyday Astronaut is doing with his YouTube channel, uh, I was very disappointed to see Elon Musk tweet a picture that was obviously not a picture of the actual Starhopper that's been being built. It was clearly either photoshopped or rendered with a caption that said, this is a real photo. That just rubs me the wrong way. Uh, Elon, if, if you ever listen to this podcast, I, I just don't understand what the purpose of you saying that that was a real photo was. It irritates me and it, it takes away from the real part of your business. I should say the business. I shouldn't say your business. As there are many, many professionals who work for SpaceX and uh, had dreams probably as children of, of working in the space industry and are now realizing that dream. Although as of this evening, as of approximately 4 or 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, there are about 600 or so fewer people who will get to realize that dream of working in the space industry because of the layoffs at SpaceX. Uh, I noted that as of last week, I believe there was a filing with the SEC that a funding round for SpaceX had been either completed or partially completed. Uh, it had sought $500 million of funding and it had achieved $273 million of funding which is less than 500 for anyone who's had the most elementary math. 
<laughs> and now, although it's a little bit late into the podcast, about four minutes in, I should mention that I am not working from any kind of outline this for this episode. I'm kind of running by the seat of my pants, and I don't have a full uh, screen available to check notes, so apologies for any choppiness. I'll be going back to Twitter to look at some notes as I go through this and pausing and restarting. So apologies for that. Also, I'm trying out a new microphone. So apologies if the audio is not of the highest quality. Bear with me. I will continue to improve that as time goes along. And I must say that doing this podcast with the app that I'm using presently was a bad idea as it does not mute notifications or anything. (laughs) And there's quite a bit going on on Twitter with Stuart Meissner chiming in. And that's rather distracting. So thinking back to the last episode, which was on Monday, that was the day that the China pump occurred. Here we are Friday evening, and I've yet to see an 8K associated with that China pump. So I don't know where the funding's coming from. I don't know if there is funding in place. I don't know why current existing United States-based Tesla shareholders should have any confidence that a China factory would be able to produce cars and that if there were profits from such cars, why those would be, uh, why there would be any level of confidence that profits from those would be able to, to benefit Tesla shareholders in the U.S. Uh, apparently it's not a material piece of information since there's not been an 8K filed by Tesla to this point. Uh, since that time also, uh, there was a Form 4 filed for one of the directors of Tesla. Lin- I believe her name's Linda Rice Johnson. Uh, as of Monday, she had seventeen hundred. She had options for seventeen hundred shares of Tesla at a strike price of three nineteen and change, and and the average sale price was three twenty one and change. Uh, it was it, it ended up being two dollars and three cents per share of profit. So she made thirty four hundred dollars with that sale on Monday. Any other day this week, she would have made like. Three or four or five or ten times more money if if the sale had been made any other day other than Monday. Uh, that was a, a 10B5-1 program that was set up in November. There's an excellent timeline, which is going to be part of this episode, from EV Defender, which is ran by the same person that ran the I Am Hubris account. Uh, the EV Defender account was shadow banned on Twitter about a a week or a week and a half or so ago. While the I Am Hubris account was permanently banned, apparently there was a, an account that was that got a notification that they had submitted a report about the I Am Hubris account when they actually hadn't, and it's a it's the Milena Lakoski account. Milena was involved with the Johnson and Johnson whistleblower case. She has stated numerous times on Twitter that she has no position in Twitter. She has simply done many, many case studies and is against the sociopathic business model. Uh, She sees many aspects of the sociopathic business model in Elon Musk and how he runs his businesses. Uh, But she never reported the I Am Hubris account, but somehow she got a notification that, that her report had resulted in the banning of the I Am Hubris account which doesn't make a whole lot of sense other than the fact that maybe 
Maybe Jack Dorsey's good friends with Elon Musk and occasionally does some of his bidding through Twitter as a platform. I don't know. I'll leave that up to you to to contemplate. I, I don't know one way or the other whether... I don't know what the truth is. I'll just leave it at that. And with that, I really need to get to actually talking about what's happened since Monday. So as of Monday, Elon Musk was in... I believe Shanghai for the groundbreaking of the Gigafactory that is allegedly going to be built there. There has not been an 8K yet as of Friday night. So one could assume that that is not a material piece of information. Subsequent to the groundbreaking in Shanghai, there was a news article about New Jersey casinos barring Tesla from doing business with them for five years. I believe that was the New Jersey Gaming Commission. That that's, that may not be the exact wording of, of the entity, but a five-year bar of doing business with Tesla. That's a very, very bullish piece of news for Tesla as a business. Apologies if you didn't catch the sarcasm there. As I'm recording here, Tesla Charts has just dropped a chart of VIN numbers. It shows a pretty clear gap uh, in VIN numbers. It's got them separated between all-wheel drive and rear-wheel drive. I haven't had a chance to look at it in depth yet to determine any conclusions or suppositions from it, but it's out there as of about midnight here on Friday Eastern Time. And now I'm going to go back uh, back in time a little bit to a thread from December 10th that was pretty excellent. Apologies for the, the complete scatterbrainness of this episode, but uh, this is a... A thread from Risk and Chips, Sam Serio. It's posted on December 10th, 2018. I'm just going to read it in a semi-dramatic fashion for your enjoyment, as it's it's pretty relevant to getting into the psyche of Elon Musk. Uh, so I'll just start with the first thread or first tweet in the th- in the thread and just read it in semi-dramatic fashion for your benefit on the podcast. And here we go. As many people know, Elon Musk is not the founder of Tesla. That honor goes to Martin Eberhard. I've heard bits and pieces of the story in the past, but today I went back and dug up Eberhard's lawsuit against Musk for pushing him out of Tesla. In one word, insane. First, these are all allegations in court. This lawsuit was settled and not taken to trial. Nonetheless, I found some stark similarities between past allegations and current patterns of Musk and Tesla. I'll start off a little out of order, but it's worth it. Apparently, this is what happened to Eberhard's first Tesla Roadster. This is just a taste of what's to come. And this is directly from the lawsuit. Amazingly, after Musk damaged Eberhard's reputation, Tesla Motors wrecked Eberhard's own historic Roadster before it was delivered to him. Having invented the Roadster, Eberhard entered into a written contract with Tesla Motors to receive the second Roadster off of the production line, a car that is part of the Founder Series production and is likely to be worth well above the Tesla Roadster retail price and as high as several million dollars because of its historical value. Tesla Motors, however, deliberately breached its agreement with Eberhard and gave this one-of-a-kind car to a different customer and a friend of Musk. When Tesla Motors finally did provide Eberhard with a Tesla Roadster, for which he had paid $100,000 two years prior, 
The car was delivered only after it had, it had been smashed into the back of a truck by a Tesla Motors employee during a so-called endurance test conducted on the dense and public 101 highway. I thought it was interesting that Tesla's basic business model was set from the start. Obviously, it is not a, quote, super advanced or proprietary model, but I found it interesting that mass market was the goal from the beginning. And here's another excerpt. I'll just read the highlighted part. Eberhard's goal for Tesla Motors was to revive the electric car by creating a highly desirable production performance electric car and to then leverage the success of this car to mass produce more affordable but still highly sought after electric cars for sale to the general public. Tweet number five in the thread. After Musk joined, we begin to see the famous attention to detail that brought us the Model 3 iPad games, door handles, etc., while ignoring much bigger issues like repairs and customer service, and highlighted in this excerpt, such as wasting valuable resources and time on research and installing electronic door latches. And that's referring to what Elon Musk was focusing on. Tweet number six. We also see that Eberhard, 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 I don't know how to properly pronounce it, apologies, Martin, seemed to have the ability to see what was best for Tesla, even at personal cost, an ability that many believe Elon doesn't possess. And another excerpt highlighted. Eberhard believed that it would be in Tesla Motors' best interest to employ a full-time CFO and CEO with strong management backgrounds to take over some of his duties and responsibilities. Tweet number seven. After Musk delayed the process of hiring a CFO, they finally hired Mike Taylor as VP of Finance in July 2007, in a move that Musk may have learned from his own experiences at pay- PayPal slash X.com. He informs Eberhard on a business trip via phone that he is no longer CEO. So Elon told Martin Eberhard that Martin Eberhard was no longer CEO. Um, and that, there's an excerpt about that. Apparently, Musk did not inform the board of directors of this prior to his decision, but after what we now know now of Musk's relationship with boards of directors, this is hardly a surprise. And more excerpt there. So this this is a well-documented thread. I, I believe I retweeted it earlier in the week, and I will likely retweet it again in the future. Tweet number nine in the thread. Musk then commenced phase two of his plan, petitioning Marx to fire Eberhard and then personally getting Eberhard off of the board of directors. Tweet number 10. Eberhard was offered a position of the board of advisors and was made to sign the severance agreement before he left that day. So this is, I will read this highlighted part of the excerpt. Musk insisted that Eberhard execute a written severance agreement before he left the building that day. Tweet number 11 in the thread. An interesting line to note here is the the non-disparagement clause. We'll come back to that. We also see here the first instance of Tesla allegedly disguising slash mislabeling costs or expenses. If you'll remember back to uh, an article, I believe, from Laura Kolodny, uh, it mentioned that there were some expenses that were miscoded in the not-too-distant past here in... That was in 2018. We're now in 2019. It says that Eberhardt then wrote a blog post that Tesla claimed to be disparaging and determined that he violated the non-disparagement clause and they terminated the agreement. If only Elon... 
Next is tweet 13 in the thread, which talks about Elon Musk uh, requiring that he be known as the founder. And then in tweet 14, Eberhardt makes sure to also include Elon Musk's education claims in the lawsuit for good measure. This part simply talks about Elon Musk not having the degrees that he has sometimes claimed to have. The next tweet uh, talks about the first production roadster. As a founder and inventor, Eberhard was to get the first production roadster, but since Elon is motivated solely by the greater good and protecting the environment, he didn't let Eberhard have the car. Wait, what? However, Musk, aware of the car's value, insisted on getting the first production car. The Roadster. We see here Tesla's first delivery hell and its first go at the delivery shell game. But no fear, Musk gave it to his great friend Antonio Gracias. So the next, the next uh, little excerpt mentions that Antonio Gracias, who we have noted here this week, in fact, got the the Roadster that was supposed to go to Martin Eberhard. Uh, next tweet in the thread, it says, We can also see that Autopilot isn't Tesla's first foray into testing products on public roads. Uh, there were apparently some endurance tests done on some of the early Teslas on public roads. And part of that testing involved uh, running Martin Eberhard's Roadster into the back of a truck, almost completely totaling the vehicle. And the final tweet in the thread says, now, this is not an attempt to say Tesla is worth $0 or Tesla is worth $1 trillion. Sam just found this story and its alleged connections to current events interesting and thought that he would share. Interpretation is up to you, Tesla and Tesla Q. So, uh, Elon Musk has recognized the value of being called the founder of a company, and he used that to his benefit uh, in the process of kicking Martin Eberhard out of Tesla, which is one of the early, early, early parts of the whole Tesla Q story, but it's something to keep in mind here as we go forward. And I definitely didn't intend to to go through that thread in depth, but I did. Uh, so apologies or you're welcome, whichever side of the fence you stand on on that. Uh, another item that happened this week is that Electric, Fred Lambert's site, posted that uh, Tesla warns that the self-driving package Buyers uh, should be aware that activation is, quote, very far away due to regulations. That uh, comes as no surprise at all to Tesla Q. Uh, <laughs> another thing that happened this week, which was just just absurd. Elon Musk tweeted a picture of the DeLorean hovering from Back to the Future and tweeted that the new roadster should be able to do something comparable to that and uh, he later in a couple of follow-up tweets said that it would use nitrogen cold gas thrusters and there were a number of people that pointed out that that's just a patently absurd idea and uh, I would agree with that so that occurred this week addition and and he mentioned that they would be using SpaceX technology so he essentially tweeted that there would be some intermingling of resources between his companies, which happened on December 18th or 19th as well, uh, or was revealed in December 18th or 19th in a Wall Street Journal article, which mentioned that SpaceX resources had been used for the boring company. Uh, 
I'll get into that a little bit more in just a little bit. Wow, we're closing in on 20 minutes here, and there's still tons to cover. Uh, <laughs> this story is just absurd. As uh, I, I just got a tweet from Pivotal Capital, who wants to debate Ross Gerber on the podcast. Uh, I'll have to get the interview ability set up to enable that, but Ross, if you happen to listen, uh, Pivotal Capital is waiting to debate you, so FYI. And uh, I should say it's it's a little late in this podcast, but uh, thanks for the shout out to uh, fr- from the quote the Raven podcast. I I signed up as a Patreon earlier this week so that I could get a quick shout out when I saw that he was going to have Montana Skeptic on. Uh, you should go listen to that episode if you haven't yet on the QTR podcast. That's quote the Raven. He's got a Patreon account as well if you want to help support his podcast. He uses a little bit more colorful language than I do, which is cool. We gotta have some diversity here in the the land of of skepticism. And back to the week in Tesla and Tesla Q news. Uh, I mentioned the New Jersey Gaming Commission already. I mentioned that there's not been an 8K for China and the new Gigafactory that's supposedly going to be built there for five billion dollars. I don't know where the five billion dollars is going to come from since there's no 8K. Uh, there was a Form Four for Linda Rice Johnson which netted her $3,400 minus any commissions and taxes, which was pretty pathetic. I mean, considering her million-dollar-a-year-plus, or approximately million-dollar-a-year salary as a Tesla director, that's kind of peanuts. And she could have gotten about 34000 if she had sold today instead of on Monday. But that's beside the point. Uh, back to the list of items. Um, we had the water tower aluminum foil star hopper, which I, I have no idea if Elon Musk actually intends to fly that thing or not. All I know is that the photo that he said was real was not not the real photo when you look directly at other photos of what was built in Boca Chica, Texas. Uh, there was a real launch of a satellite today, Friday, January the 11th, uh, which deployed 10 satellites. Uh, that was done by SpaceX, the, the real, the real leg of SpaceX that actually launches things, which also endured this evening, a approximately a 10% workforce reduction. Uh, I don't know how the Starhopper fits into the the real part of SpaceX, uh, I don't know if it's just part of the, the fundraising arm of SpaceX or or what. But with that, I think I need to get to the uh, just the timeline summary that's been put together by EV Defender. I see that we're running in on uh, 23 minutes now, and I need to keep these a little bit short. Pun fully intended. And with that, uh, let's go to the, to the timeline from EV Defender, the... Twitter attacked account. Uh, so he tonight he's pointed out the 10% layoff, of course, which is the newest addition to the timeline. I'm going to just open up a little uh, the, the timeline here. So back on October 22nd uh, was the day that they announced that Tesla announced that they were going to announce earnings on October 24th. Astute observers will note that the 10Q came out a little bit later. On November the 5th, Antonio Gracias uh, established his 
10B51 plan, which he sold from uh, within the last two weeks, I think. 1112, which was the following Monday, JB Straubel set up his plan. The following Monday, November 19th, Linda Rice Johnson set up her 10B51 plan. On December 6th, Tesla hired General Counsel Dane Butswinkus from Williams and Connolly, but he will remain a Williams and Connolly partner. There has been no 8K to date about that hire. On December 17th, there at 3.26 p.m., so shortly before the market closed, there was a Wall Street Journal article that discussed Elon Musk using SpaceX resources to build a boring company tunnel without telling SpaceX shareholders. Uh, that article also included the fact that there was a retroactive granting of boring company equity to SpaceX. On December 18th, in the morning, there was a Wall Street Journal Journal article that SpaceX was seeking $500 million from existing shareholders and Bailey Gifford at 6.30 a.m., same day, December 18th. Uh, there was some reiteration of some price targets uh, by Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. At 11 p.m. on that day was when Elon Musk had his boring company quote, product reveal, where they had some people go through their tunnel in a Tesla vehicle uh, with the little uh, roller coaster wheels on the side of it, limited to about 50 miles per hour with bumps along the way. So that was on December 18th. December 19th, the very next day, at about 9.55 a.m., there was a block of about 770,000 Tesla shares that was sold, which was valued at about $262 million. Keep that number in mind. On December 20th, the Tesla Senior Director of Investor Relations, Aaron Chu, I believe was his name, was uh, fired or let go or he resigned or something. Uh, on December 20th also, Antonio Gracias sold some shares of Tesla, which was later revealed on a Form 4 about 8 or... I don't remember the exact number of days. Some number of days later. On 1221, uh, the first fill of $273 million of the $500 million that was sought in the SpaceX raise, which was mentioned in the December 18th Wall Street Journal article uh, happened. There was later a, an SEC filing about that. On December 28th, J.B. Straubel sold some shares. It's also the same day that Larry Ellison was announced as a director along with Kathleen, I don't remember her last name, the Walgreens HR lady. Um, they were both named directors that day. And on January 2nd is when the quarter four deliveries were announced by Tesla and when the shares dropped considerably. And it was also the day that Jerome Gulen, the president of automotive or of manufacturing or something or other for Tesla, sold some shares that day, which is why we know that he set up his 10B51 plan on November 12th because it's listed on the Form 4 uh, that came out when, after he made that sale on that day. On January 7th, which was this past Monday, uh, Elon Musk was in Tesla, was in 
Shanghai for the Gigafactory groundbreaking. He was the only Tesla representative on the site. Uh, there was the the uh, very very last minute addition of his girlfriend or ex girlfriend to tag along on that trip. Uh, there's been no renderings of that Gigafactory side or anything, uh, which seems a little suspect to me, considering Elon said that there will be production within this very year when there's nowhere close to a building in place so far. And also on that same day, Monday, January 7th, 2019, Linda Rice Johnson made her sale of 1,700 shares at a strike price of 319 and change for a sale price of 321 and change netting 3400 whopping dollars and here today on the 11th of January SpaceX not too long after only raising 273 of a sought 500 million dollars in, in an equity raise has laid off approximately 10% of its workforce um, there's a lot of, seems to be a lot of intertanglement between the companies that Elon Musk is involved with. Uh, SpaceX seems to not be in the greatest financial shape based on laying off customers today. There are numerous, numerous signs that demand for the Model 3 for quarter one of 2019 is challenged. There is not yet any confirmation of European Union homologation, which will allow sales of the Model 3 in Europe, uh, which seems to be uh, part of what Elon Musk was attempting to help push along. Uh, they, they stopped over in the in uh, Amsterdam, I believe, on the way home from China. They came westward from China to Amsterdam. Then they stopped in London. And I think they were back in California today in time to lay off the portion of the SpaceX workforce. Um, we, we here in Tesla Q Twitter have a, a fantastic member who has access to some aeronautical data. And on that topic, uh, he, he's noted that there is an additional plane that was purchased by Elon Musk. So he is in the process currently of pouring over some of the flight data for that plane, which may provide some further insights into Tesla Q and or SpaceX and or the Boring Company and some of the ongoing things with the Elon Musk controlled companies. Um, so with that, uh, we're over 30 minutes now, so I need to cut this off. But uh, it's just a few of the items this week in Tesla Q Twitter. The share price this week was actually basically up after not having any initial bump from the, the China pump. And then was roughly steady. Uh, I think it ended the week at about $347 a share. Uh, so <laughs> there was, there's not really any negative impact from the New Jersey casino news or the lack of an 8K for China. And the uh, SpaceX layoffs happened too late in the day to have any share price impact. So with that, uh, we'll call this episode seven of the Tesla Q podcast. Have a good weekend. And I'll try to record another episode when there is news that warrants. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.